2: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
1: Sports fans, don't be sad that the NFL season is rapidly coming to a close because we still have the NBA, MLB, WNBA, and the XFL coming this spring. And Epson just hooked me up with this new Epic Vision Ultra LS800 laser projector, including their optional 120-inch silver flex screen. If you're out there looking for a new 75-inch or 80 Five inch TV? Don't do that. You have no idea what you're missing. Imagine having an epic 120-inch mega screen in your home. It's like having four 60-inch TVs mounted on your wall. Introducing the new Epson Epic Vision Ultra LS800 projector. This new type of television experience uses Epson's amazing 3-chip, three 3-LCD three laser projection technology to produce an immersive, super bright 4K Pro UHD picture and with a 120 inch picture this is truly epic you see all the action trust me unless you're there live this is the next best thing go big go epic go to epson.com forward slash wake up to learn more about the epic vision ultra ls800 laser projector again that's epson.com forward slash wake up and like epson says bring the sports book experience home do you believe in miracles?
3: A fizzle in the house fizzle what's good man fizzle glad to have you here let's go this the south Harmon podcast glad you're here today hit that patreon
0: link if you hit here to stay dynasty best ball that's my favorite way
1: 40 chess trade show let's make a trade today or oh, check the ama you know adam at the atm yeah. mike, mike. 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 Oh, in the building, he gon' stay with him
0: They gon' start every show off with their own trade Fantasies a big ocean, they made their own wave Make sure you tapping in Tuesdays and Saturdays Tuesday like Saturday morning, ain't no better way Hit that notification bell when the news
1: break Go subscribe right now, don't get the news late Destination,
0: Devi, that's the team Got Dynasty football, man, that's my favorite thing Said it was all a dream. Now people watching on their phones and computer
1: screens. Welcome to the team. Let's start the show. Start the show.
0: Welcome back in everybody to another edition of the 40 chess dynasty football podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're not listening to destination dynasty, then you're going to be off kilter on what we're doing tonight. But we have a special guest. We did the first part on Monday destination dynasty's own scott connor we teamed up we're doing a best ball roster construction series so make sure you go check that out if you got to hit pause go back listen to the one on monday so you're not lost but before we get into that let me introduce the man everybody comes to see where they listen to 4d chess that's that sounds weird to say right <laughs> wants to see when they listen to 4d chess but it's adam how you doing tonight buddy
3: i'm doing well mike i'm doing well we are back for 4D Chess, another episode. Dynasty Degenerates, thanks for tuning in. Um, as you already listened to on Monday, you're you're probably waiting with bated breath for Scott Connor to be back on. And he is here. We are here for part two. And you know if we're going to do part two and we're going to start this on Destin, uh, from Destination Dynasty to 4D Chess, we got to do running backs. And we got Scott here to talk running backs. I'm excited because, at least for best ball, Scott has to talk a little differently about running backs, so we're ready to get into it, man.
0: Yeah, man. It's Mr. Any, Anyone on a 53, right? Did I say that right? I don't know. Scott, how you doing, buddy? Thank you for hopping on. I've had a uh, blast so far doing the quarterbacks, and I can't wait to talk running backs with you. But first and foremost, how you doing? Yeah, guys.
2: Glad to be back on. Uh, listen to part one on quarterbacks. We really kind of got into Not just the weeds, but we got into some basic best ball strategy at the beginning of that show. So even if you don't get through the whole episode, uh, you want to probably go back and listen to the first 20, 30 minutes because we're just talking some generalities. If you're jumping into a best ball league for the first time, trying to set one up, like what are some of the things you want to put in place just to kind of make sure the market is live once you get going. Uh, But yeah, I'll be honest with you guys. I'm building a best ball portfolio. My goal is to get probably somewhere up to about 20 best ball leagues by the time we get to this season. So I'm going to have to get rolling. I think I'm about 12, 13 right now, but I'm going to kind of sit back a little bit in this episode. I mean, I have my opinions, but I've struggled. I have struggled, especially in some of the ones that I've done where you have to start two running backs. I've done a couple where it's just start one, 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 you know, eight flexes or whatever. And Honestly, I look at that and I go, I don't even really care if it's lineup or best ball because I don't have to pay attention to the construction that much, whether it's 30, 35, 40 man rosters, who cares? But even there, I'm kind of like, you know what, it does, running backs really don't matter in a best ball league with start one.
1: Agreed. You know, you,
2: you got to just have enough to get by, but the margins of what you need to get by is not that many because you only have to start one. So I'm going to kind of sit back because I'm still adjusting to this. And I don't think it's even the roster construction part. I mean, we'll definitely talk about like the ideal number of where you want to get, but I do think because running backs and receivers and tight ends, if we're talking 1.75 in this format, because they all encompass the flex, I think it's a lot more of a sliding scale in best ball than it is in lineup because any of the three can fire randomly. So I think that's where I'm starting to have to adjust even more. And it's, not just the number, but it's I have to adjust at the quality of running backs that I'm rostering.
3: That, yep. that that's, is that's the biggest thing. thing. That's like, the main thing, bro.
2: Yes. That, and that's what I've noticed is I still have not adapted fast enough to getting the quality at the times that I need to early on in these auctions or early on in the startups. And then I'm trying to make up with it or make up for it with the number. And then there's diminishing returns when you get to a certain number. So we'll certainly talk about that. Uh, just a reminder to everybody, you know, this is 12 team start 11 PPR 1.75 premium and 30 man rosters. So appreciate you guys having me on. I'm excited to learn from both of you. Cause you got at least a year on me in terms of grinding these streets. So I'm ready.
0: Well, if it makes you feel any better, right? I went to my lineup leagues last year thinking, you know, me and Adam are team running back, team running back till we die. And, uh, along with the running backs, we kind of died last year. So we've also had to make a big adjustment to how we value running backs, even in best ball, but especially in lineup. Uh, a lot of it I've gone to the lineup approach of any running back on a 53, so that's thanks to you, where I'm just like, just kind of give me some dudes, man. Just give me some dudes. I'll figure it out. Let me buy some starts. Best ball, though, still, sadly, here to say, that doesn't really work. I mean, we're going to get into that, but... The running back position is definitely an inter- interesting one. We have a confluence of, of weird things going on right now. The running back position is dying out as far as fantasy is concerned. Uh, it's getting worse every single year. Scott, I've listened to everything that you've done and talked about uh, as far as points per game and right median, warp. The running back position is going to a more committee approach. The, uh, the bell cows, the Saquon Barkleys of the world are dying out. So we've also had to adjust it. But in best ball, I think it's actually setting you up perfectly for roster construction heading into 2023 because the market hates running backs. The market despises running backs and teams that ignore the running back position are going to get burned, are going to get burned in best ball. So let's talk about it here. Adam, let's kick it off, man. If you got to put a number on it and this will kind of just be arbitrary because we're going to talk about a lot of things, but. When you build your best ball teams, how many running backs are you looking to roster on your team? And second part, bonus question, what's the quality? Do you have an arbitrary cutoff of where you think, like, RB this? And and I don't want to go any lower than that.
3: So um, I knew knew you had something extra because the first question was too easy. The bonus question makes it a lot more convoluted. And I think for people that are shifting from primarily lineup to best ball, that is going to be the toughest question. Let me start off with the first question. How many? I think if we're starting, you know, 11 here and we're rostering 30, like I want at least 8. And the reason I say that number, I'm not going to say that it can't be a little higher, but the reason I say the floor should be 8 is one, we know there's volatility at the position, right? Like there you're going to have go into the league with you know Mixon and you know Dalvin Cook and all these guys one, they're older assets, but let's even just say that's what you went in with. Two of them might get hurt within the first month. What's your plan? Like, You have to now move off of those assets or you have to have backfilled with other good running backs. And here's the thing. If you have an aging asset at running back and it gets hurt and in best ball, like you can almost forget about it. Like, good night. Nobody wants to roster your aging hurt running back, right? So I think you have to understand... Kind of those nuances. The type, I think, is a very big thing to discuss here. So, you know, Ko- Koopa did share with us some stuff. I, I looked at a lot of it, um, but just on feel, let me let me just say this: I-, I think you have to understand that at about running back eighteen, I want to say, like twelve to eighteen, somewhere in that range, you're gonna have start. You're gonna start seeing a fall off, and not only is it gonna be in points per game but it's going to be an opportunity, right? So, like, you probably have 12 to 18 running backs that are going to be looking at a very good workload. And, like, right now, you're probably looking at 24, but the reality is six of them are going to be hurt before it even is mattering what is going to happen. So, when, when you think about startups for a second, right, like, understand that the push is all towards wide receiver, and rightfully so. But, like, if you think about... Basically, for the first 24 spots of running back and wide receiver, they mirror each other as far as points per game. So, so if you think about that for a second, right, let's say the first few rounds, like, yeah, you, you'd rather take Jefferson and Chase and Lamb, A.J. Brown, some of the guys that are high-end scoring options and have longer shelf life. But because of that, you're probably going to see 18, 20 wide receivers go off and you could be looking at running back five. Like that's that's where in best ball, if you can roster three, four, five of the top twenty running backs, like even though that looks gross as hell in a lineup league, you and you have you have risk because of the position. If you end up hitting five of the top eighteen running backs in warp, One, you you, kind of corner the market, which I'm going to be honest, it's not really a viable strategy as far as like it's no longer a position that you can leverage, but nobody else is going to have that edge at running back, and then you you could even have some of the running backs that make your flex spot. So I think that that's kind of the biggest thing. I I would say, Mike, the main thing you don't want to do, and to to answer the bonus question, you don't want to be rostering running backs that don't have – a realistic chance for a 40% workload. I know that's not like a fair running back number, but if you don't have a running back that has a real role weekly, like you don't want to do more than one, maybe two of those at most. You want these guys to be seeing the field and have a chance to score points. Otherwise you're basically rostering a zero. And if I want to roster zeros, it's probably really not at running back.
0: So Scott, let me ask you, what are some of your biggest takeaways? So you, you're doing more and more best ball leagues. Uh, you're also looking at your rosters and, and you definitely do have a different approach than you do in lineup leagues, but what were some of the biggest differences that you're noticing or some of the things that make you hesitant when you look at the running back position from what you previously did in lineup leagues?
2: Well, I think is one of the biggest things is, and I talked about this on one of the very first destination dynasty shows what just this, this trend that we're seeing to where the elite running back seasons are dwindling But a lot of the like middling running back seasons in terms of guys that can finish RB10, RB15, RB20, a guy that can average 13, 14, 15 points per game, those are actually increasing. Now, that actually went backwards a little bit in 2022, but I think we're starting to see that trend, and I don't think either of you would disagree that that's probably going away. We're getting to the point now where there's multiple teams going into a season, probably a third of the teams in the NFL going into the season where I go, you know what, I could see a situation where both of their running backs average 10, 12, 13 points per game across the course of an entire season. Now, those guys might have a couple overlap games where they both do it. A couple of them might miss a game or two here, and then the other one has a spike week. But there's multiple backfields where it's like, okay, there's two guys that I'm comfortable rostering that can finish in this range. But it's probably also fair to say that that's not where your 22, 23, 24 point per game seasons are coming from. You know, the 60, 40 committees are not creating massive warp running back seasons. But in a lot of times in lineup leagues, you're like, okay, I have to really be careful with how many of those guys I want to pay for. Because the other thing is a lot of times those guys are expensive. The Aaron Jones, the AJ Dillon, the Rashad White, the Leonard Fournette, like neither of those guys are cheap. So it really doesn't make sense to go, let me just go buy all those guys in that range. Because really what you probably want to do in lineup is make your bets on which one or hedge your bets. Maybe I own Aaron Jones in this league and AJ Dillon in that league. And I want to cut it off in terms of how much equity I spend to build my running back room. Because I also know, you know, if I roster construct with, I I think my optimal was around like 14 running backs in lineup. And that's because I'm planning to try to be strong at the other positions and it's also any running back on a 53, like you said earlier, Mike. And you know what? I can afford to take nine zeros a week because they're not in my lineup. The only, I'm just hoping that I have multiple options to draw from when my Aaron Jones misses four games and I don't have A.J. Dill and I don't want to roster both because I probably don't want to start Aaron Jones and A.J. Dill in every single week. I mean, I talked about that fallacy in lineups of, man, when you're top two running backs in lineup leagues and neither of them are top ten, but they're top 20. So it's the whole David Montgomery and uh, let's say David Montgomery, James Connor problem. Guess what? I'm probably just hitting start with those guys every week. And who am I losing to the dude that had Khalil Herbert and starts him. And I'm going, I paid X for David Montgomery and maybe not Khalil Herbert because it's his handcuff. But the point is I paid X for Montgomery. This guy didn't pay for any running backs and you know, holy hell, he's got Jamal Williams on his bench, and he outscored me half the time. The only difference was he roster constructed to where he had access to put Jamal Williams in. And that's the whole point of lineup is if you don't have access to the sixth running back on your team because he's your sixth running back, you end up wasting all of these starts. So that's the biggest thing I've had to overcome. But I think leaning into the fact that there are more committees more running backs that are in this, let's just call it between RB15 and RB40. Yep. There's a lot more of those guys, and the the median of what they're producing is going up. That's where I want to kind of focus on getting as many guys in that range, and that's different from lineup because I never have to pick when I start. So I think that's been the biggest thing. That's typically the range I go, dude, if I have five of those guys between RB15 and 30 in a lineup league, guess what I'm doing? I'm Some liquidating two or yeah. three of them overnight. Right. Best ball, I'm going, dude. Give me, uh, give me three, give me my three of those guys to tear down off RB seven, and I'll just bet that RB seven that I give somebody else gets hurt. You know, give me the three for ones. I think that's the biggest learning thing that I'm having to adjust to because I still have trouble. Is despite you saying it, Mike, it's really easy to get those guys in startups because guess what, people just still fade them because they're a running back but I really just am playing this almost like it's a season-to-season, season, but give me as many of those guys in that range. I think that's the, been the biggest thing for me that I have to adjust to.
0: That's uh, It's crazy that some of the numbers that you're throwing out there too because in my head before we're even talking about this, and I asked Adam the question, just some ranges of running backs, at least for best ball, that I kind of put on or I kind of have these when I go into drafts, thinking about running backs that I like. So the first part that you're talking about was, Access to start these guys. Well, it's best ball, so you get access to start them all every single week. And I'm fully in agreement with you. Like, there wasn't a lot of times in lineup leagues last year that I had Jamal Williams, where you're going like, man, I got to put him in the lineup and start. Right? I got to start him over Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson's the better dynasty value. That's my guy. There's no way I'm starting Jamal Williams over uh, uh, Jamal Williams over Antonio Gibson. In best ball, it doesn't matter if I have both. Great. Whoever does better that week's hopping in. But when you're talking about some some numbers here, generally for me, like those top 18 running backs, give or take, what Adam was talking about as well, like opportunity-wise, I feel really good about the opportunity that they're gonna have. Now, whether they actually score fantasy points or not, I kind of want to get two, maybe three of those guys. And it's all going to be depending on value, right? I don't want to have to pay second round picks for him. I don't want to have to pay third round startup picks for him. I don't want to have to spend 70 or $80 in an auction startup to go get him. But I want to get the ones that are values, right? Where these guys are in the same tier, people devalue this guy for whatever reason. He, he, he was hurt last year. Or the coaching staff don't like him, whatever. If he has opportunity... And he's a value, that's the kind of guy in the top 18. I'm highly interested in for best ball in the running back position. But then I also have this cutoff of running backs after this spot. I'm I'm really no longer interested in, right? Like they just kind of go gross. And you mentioned the number 40. 40 always sticks in my head. Where after like RB40 and dynasty value, I'm good, man. I think they're Kind of like what you talk about with wide receivers and lineups, like they're almost the roster clogger threshold for me in best ball, where I go RB 45, I have zero interest in having on my team, right? Unless I can move them to somebody. But if they're down that far already, nobody really likes them in dynasty. I'm not really getting anything other than maybe a third if I'm lucky, and they're not going to really mean anything to me in a best ball league. So if I look at it this year when I – I just pull up our spike week, consistency week spreadsheet. You had 37 running backs last year that had four or more consistent weeks where they were above average option. So Mm -hmm. it's right around that 40 range, which is just kind of a weird number that you threw it out there. That's what I had in my head, and that's exactly what the sheets say. It is right around that. That's about the kind of guy where you get maybe a quarter of the season has an opportunity to make your lineup, and everybody below that Less than a quarter of the time do they have the opportunity to get in your lineup. And a lot of these guys, you're talking maybe once, maybe twice if they're lucky, are making your lineup. So, Adam, what do you think about that 40 number?
3: No, I mean, it, it, it's a good one. The, the reason I struggled to give a, a full number, and I'll be honest, like that's probably a very good number as far as like right now what we know today about the running back position to cut it off. The reason I think is, okay, so, so like we'll, we'll get to receivers and we will tell you um, some things with receiver, but I don't want to give too much away. But the reality is like you're looking for teams that have more pass attempts if you want a receiver, right? You, you're looking for teams that are good and they score more points. That isn't always the case at running back and kind of why I think the the hard cap needs to be thought of a little more strongly so, for example, like le- like right now, a hot name is Kenny Gainwell, and you're going to say, "Oh, it's a great, it's a great team. They run the ball a lot. Like he's in a position to score." You know who did not make the spreadsheet at all? Kenny Scott, Gainwell, Scott Kenny Gainwell, yeah. Kenneth Gainwell didn't. He wasn't a consistent scorer. He wasn't a spike week scorer. I'm sure there were teams that thought, "Yeah, Kenneth Gainwell, it's 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 fine in best ball." It's not the shit on Kenny Gainwell. I mean. I'm not telling you Kenny Gainwell can't make, you know, you know, spikes or best, uh, best ball, you know, reasonable middling ground next year. But like, if you had Kenny Gainwell as a, as a roster spot for you all year this year, he didn't do anything for you. He did everything against you. He cost you a spot. Like, I I think that's kind of why it makes it hard to understand. Uh, for, for example, like Kareem Hunt, like going into this year, you're saying, okay, Kareem Hunt. He's guaranteed to get a decent workload. He gave you three consistent weeks, no spike weeks. Now, I want to roster Kareem hunts, right But my, my point is like that around that range is basically where the cutoff should be in the eight that I said. Like I want eight running backs that have that type of shot. Now you you, you can't predict shit right You can't tell me, who's going to be the one that gets hurt. You can't tell me who's going to be the one that has a worse workload than we think. Like that's the volatility of the running back position and why you don't want to invest too early, right? Like what we saw this year is they're not long-term assets, right? So I'm not telling you to value them long-term, but you need to understand that this position shallows out very fast. So once you get past probably about 40, 45, you don't want to roster more than one to two of them, or you basically ruined your opportunity to have guys coming in and out of your lineup. I think for me, the biggest
0: one, when I look at roster construction, as we talk about this and try to find the, the good number for it is my initial thought is I probably want four guys, three to four guys in that top, let's say 18 range. Like I want something in that range, ideally in a perfect world. Um, If I can't get them, if I can't get them, then I probably want four or five guys in that RB one through 24 range, right? Just give me guys who have some sort of opportunity and yes, I'm, am I going to miss on some, are they going to get injured? Yes. It's a, it's a damn running back position. Bad things happen all the time, right? Adam and I have, have talked at nauseam about how we were cam Akers fans and then he tears his Achilles and then we're Travis Etienne fans his rookie year and he breaks his damn foot. <laughs> you know, we're JK Dobbins fans. He gets hurt in the preseason because john harbaugh wants to keep a a preseason record alive like bad things happen to running backs and we've all been disappointed but generally if i'm doing roster construction i'm thinking about my team let me get four to five guys kind of in that top 24 ideally i want three of them to be in the top 18 but it's just what it is after that i kind of have a range where just give me some dudes down to about that 40 range. Just give me some dudes. Let me fill it out. Adam, I kind of like your number of eight. If we're talking about 30-man rosters, eight running backs. We talked about with Scott with his QB series, five. Eight would be 13. We're halfway through constructing a roster right there. 13 players on your roster, and some of them are going to be fluid. Scott, you ended the show talking about quarterbacks, about how if you have elite options, maybe you only go to four, or maybe you go... Maybe you get really uh, frisky and you go, like, I have Mahomes and Josh Allen. Just give me a Mac Jones as my third. I'll ride this out in the best ball. I get it. Uh, Maybe your quarterback situation isn't that good, and you had five guys. Maybe you had to look for maybe that swing six because you really don't feel good about it. Running back is kind of going to be fluid as well, depending on the guys that you get. I mean, Adam, if you started out with saquon barkley and austin eckler at value say in the third and the fourth round of a startup that you're doing Mm -hmm. i mean what does that number shift to where you go like man saquon and austin eckler these are some of the most consistent running backs that we have out there like does does the number maybe go to seven does it maybe go to six running backs then
3: So I'll tell you this. The answer is going to be no. And I think this is a great segue to kick it to Scott because here I think is the big takeaway I've learned this year in the differences in lineup and best ball and where it kind of can be bridged. Right. So. All right. If you leave at value with some of these running backs that are that are good because this is going to happen. I think one of the best parts about doing this series right now is that this is running back hate season. Like, we hate the position. Outside of Bijan, who nobody can get enough of, we hate running backs, right? Brees got hurt last year. Like, everybody that you wanted to probably smash outside of Barkley just didn't give you the rosy, you know, that rosy feeling. So I guess, here's the thing. I'm not leaving with less, and the reason is, what if Eckler and Barkley get hurt? What if one of them gets hurt? That's why I want the plethora And it's cheap enough right now where you can get the plethora. I think that's the big part is that like, you're going to look at wide receiver running back as like, okay, here we are. I'm looking at Michael Pittman and I'm looking at like Deandre Swift's going to go way further down, but you're going to be looking at a really good running back in the face and you're looking at Pittman at like, you know, wide receiver 22. And you're thinking, man, like, I think Pittman has a good role. And I'm not saying I don't like Pittman, but I'm just using a specific example here. Should I go running back? Should I take running back six, seven off the board? And I think here's the big takeaway for me. You don't wanna invest too much in the early rounds, but there's gonna be values. At the end of the day, the reason I wanna keep it at eight is because you might get two or three injuries very quickly. And remember, even still now, because of the way the market is, you can get into the running back position always easier than you can get out of it so if you end up having injuries to eckler and barkley you can find pacheco cheap you can find running back options cheap later but i don't want to be in the position where i have eckler and i have barkley and i don't have any backfill and now i have to rebuild my whole room that's where it's more troublesome
2: Yeah, and one thing I'll add to that that I definitely learned the hard way was we tend to, especially in this current market, and I think this is a great time to talk about this because we have this whole conundrum of, okay, how are we roster constructing now given that a fourth of the running backs right now in the top 60 or so are free agents, and then you have a great running back class coming in that, you know, it's great in terms of there's a lot of options, but I don't know what the hell to do with a lot of them. But there's a lot of moving parts right now at the running back position to where all three of us can sit down and go, okay, let's all name our top 40 running backs, including the rookies that are coming in. I bet you we end up with 55 names amongst those 40 because there's just not a consensus outside of the top 10 to 15 or so. So I think that's the other thing is it's hard to nail the roster construction now versus if you were doing this startup in late August, because you're probably going to tighten your numbers a ton if you're doing it a week before the season, right? We know who the RB twos are going to be on most teams. We know who's going to be on a roster. Who's not going to be on a roster. We know the situations for all these teams in terms of what type of offense they're going to run. Like we're a lot more sure. And I think that evolves a lot every offseason. I don't think this is going to stop. The running back position is going to evolve and there's going to be a ton of moving parts every offseason to where you almost just play it year by year. And I think that's been the biggest learning thing for me was I went into last year, one of the things I was doing is going, you know what? I can get away with this and still get there in best ball by rostering guys like JD McKissick and Nakeem Hines and Chase Edmonds, right? All three of those guys are going to have at least one or two games where they catch eight for 60 in a touchdown and they're going to spike. Then you look back at those three and you go, I don't think even combined they had one game over 15 points. So they didn't spike. And and a lot of that was just my bias going, dude, you know how many times I've seen Naheem Hines go six for 70 and get two touchdowns I'm going like, dude, give me that guy in best ball until the role just changes just that much or the offense sucks. And then he's an absolute roster crawler. And I probably kept him on my roster all year. They oh, all next week's going to be that game. The week after that's going to be that game, you know? And so that was one of the lessons I learned of not applying this, this arbitrary cutoff, Early enough. And then I think the last point to me was we value wide receiver 15 DJ Moore a lot because he's a good receiver, right? All it's going to take is a great quarterback situation to where he spikes. But I know when you guys look at your consistency data, the reality is how much more did DJ Moore spike compared to Josh Palmer? Hmm. Was there yeah. even a difference, really? I'll
3: pull it up, but I bet you it wasn't. It probably. No. It, I probably Josh Palmer I, might have spiked more. I'll be wrong and I'll I will happily be wrong, but I'll I'll pull it up just to make no, sure. Well, DJ
0: Moore had two last year. Two.
2: But but the point is we probably overvalue this range right. of non-high warp receivers. Yes. Like Michael Pittman, like DJ Moore, like Brandon Ayuk, because they're good assets. They're good players. They're good enough to where if the situation flipped in their favor, they could easily jump into the top twelve or so. But the reality is they're not probably a better pick than one or two of the receivers you can get four or five rounds later in terms of actual impact on your lineup. So to lean to to Adam's question earlier, I'm trying to be more disciplined now and going, you know what, I don't want to take that third running back. I don't want to draft that Aaron Jones at RB24 in the startup. But you know what, in best ball, I'm just going to be disciplined and do it and figure that I can backfill with... Some of the volatility that even emerges at wide receiver as we get throughout the year. But I'm just, I'm going to have, like Jordan McNamara says, I'm going to constantly be operating with a roster that is going to be really hard to get out of if I mess up.
3: Well, and see, okay, that's a great point. And that's why I wanted to talk on before. Understand that you're making a bet with the running back earlier because it's best ball. If it hits, you are going to win so much in warp based mm-hmm. on. The fact of this, what you just talked about, Scott, right? Like, DJ Moore, who gave you two spikes, you can replace. I think that's the biggest thing. Josh Palmer had one spike, right? But the reality of what they cost versus what they mean to your best ball lineup isn't that much. Like, that's the biggest takeaway, and probably where Mike and I were perceived as, like, idiots, is in best ball, outside of the top ten, top five probably, You can replace with three wide receiver 50s one top 10 wide receiver. Like, weekly. Like, that can be fine for you. In lineup leagues, you would never want to do that because you. good luck picking which one of those three guys at wide receiver 30, 40, 50 is going to give you a spike week. I mean, you, you pick the wrong one, and you're screwed, right? Like, that's part of the roster clogger thing. Those roster cloggers you want to roster a bunch of them in best ball because you don't care when all of them score nothing. You just need three of them to hit. You need five of them to hit, right? Like that's, you You have strength in numbers, the old Golden State Warriors adage, right, at, at receiver. At running back, if you end up hitting, though, three of the top 15 warp guys, plus you have backfilled all those later picks at wide receiver, that is a best ball team That's going to be hard to handle, especially when we talked about go back to last week, the quarterback. If you did the quarterback right and you have three of the running backs that mean something and you're backfield like crazy at wide receiver and you have fab budget, that's how people don't know how to handle this team in best ball. So last year he had 62 running backs hit an above
0: average week. So being a top 18 option on the week in head to head leagues or better. Right, 62 running backs. Conversely, you had 95 wide receivers. Now, if you look at the year before, it was 63 running backs and it was 95 wide receivers. So, at least in best ball terms, like rostering some of these deeper of the bench wide receivers, you have a better shot of hitting a guy who has a good enough week to make your lineup, right? Uh, Think about some of these guys at the end of the benches, like wide receivers, they're not special. Uh, Trent Sherfield, like, but that's a guy in best ball. Hell, I'll keep him on my roster. When I look at the running backs, conversely, like some of these guys that are down here, it becomes a lot more scarce. Like, it's a lot more. You, you talked about JD McKissick, right? One week, all year, one week, he did something all year. You were waiting for him. But what was the cost for people on JD McKissick, the name versus Trent Sherfield? Like, Trent Sherfield, you got off of waivers. J.D. McKissick Kissick was on people's rosters, right? If something happens to Antonio Gibson, or I saw how he ended the last year. like The price you had to pay for a a crappy running back who only got you one week versus a Trent Sherfield who you picked up for free off of waivers at the time is a big difference. Some of the other running backs that are down there um, that had one week. Dontrell Hilliard. <laughs> like, unless you had him on your team because he did it week one. You didn't enjoy a Dontrell Hilliard above average week all year, not at all. You had to have him going into the season. If you picked him up after week one, you were you were embarrassed because he did nothing for the rest of the single year. Uh, the wide receivers that are also down here in this range are just ridiculous. The guys, the kind of guys that you can just find all over the place. Jawan Jennings. I mean, some people like Jawan Jennings, but that's also a guy that you're getting off off waivers. Khalif Raymond. That's a guy who's off waivers, who has the potential of making your lineup a couple times. Um, Oh, Anybody a big Noah Brown fan? How about twice last year (laughs) making your lineup? Perfect best ball type, type player. So the problem when I have with running backs and wide receivers is wide receivers is just so much deeper. Like I look at these spreadsheets. Tom made a nice one for us last year based on the spike weeks and consistency weeks. And wide receivers are so spread out on a pie chart. Like they're all over the place. Yes, the elite ones, the really good wide receivers, the ones we all love, the Chases, the Jeffersons, Devontae Adams, yes, those guys are still breaking news, still really good at football, and those are still guys you want on the roster. But like Adams kind of mentioned, if I kind of play in this wide receiver like 36 to 50 range, the guys that people are like, oh, it's a wide receiver three, it doesn't matter, it's a wide receiver four, it doesn't matter. These guys are hitting four, five, six consistent weeks every single year and coming out of nowhere. Conversely, if I try to do that at the running back position in best ball, I, I'm striking out. I'm, I'm, I'm not hitting anybody in that range that's really worth a crap. So when we talk about running backs, it's not so much just the running back position, but it's the running back position in relation to wide receiver, specifically right. with best ball. It, it really doesn't have to do with the running back position because, it, let's face it, it's become a dumpster fire. It's horrible. It breaks my heart. I'm a big running back guy. I grew up on running backs, right? You know, the Steven Jacksons getting 2,000 scrimmage yards, like those kind of guys, like winning you fantasy leagues. That's not here to stay anymore. So I'm really just searching out the guys who have opportunity, who I feel safe about and aren't going to be zeros throughout the entire year.
3: Yeah. Well, Scott, you know what? It's funny. Um, The archetype you mentioned in, you know, shout out to uh, Destination Debbie. Uh, patreon.com forward slash all gas in the heisman chats there's a lot of discussion I, i have not been able to be a part of as many as i want to this year being busy but the last one i was a part of was scott and ray were amazing and we talked about wide receivers and you're gonna hear about this next week um but you know scott to give you a parallel and and kind of a misnomer right So, I think with running backs, if you decide to fade them early, people are like, yeah, just get a third down guy. Get a guy that's going to get three, four, five, six passes. You know, they'll give you something, right? And I think the reality is that's a misnomer as far as what archetype you want to chase at running back. Because here's the thing, though. If you're going to do that, if you want a running back that's a third down 40% type workload, and here's the big key. If a running back in front of him gets hurt, they're not gonna take over a big workload, right? So like Naheem Hines, uh, you know, McKinnon, right? Th- these guys aren't gonna just come in and take 20 carries if the person in front of them gets hurt. You don't want those unless, big key, unless it's a very good offense. Now, why do I say that? Smajay J.P. Ryan, Jarek McKinnon, those are the two guys that in a really good offense don't have necessarily a three-down workload that can give you a spike and also a consistency week. They probably come one the same because they're not giving you a consistency week, week in and week out. But here's the thing. The reality the top 50, the top 50 weeks when you go above average, none of these guys are like third-down type running backs. Literally, they all are guys that are going to get a majority of the touches. The two outliers, Samaj P. Ryan, Jarek McKinnon, which what? They play for really good offenses, which can kind of help carry that. So if you do, and the reason I talked about having eight and not having more than one or two, like if you want a roster and really good offenses, some third down backs, one or two of them, like I have no problem with it. But you're almost better off utilizing that on a running back that if the guy in front of him gets hurt, will get 70, 80% of snaps and now can give you consistent and spike weeks if it if it breaks right for him.
2: I think one of the things I'm just hearing you say is how do you detect who those players are? Because I think one one good thing you mentioned about the names you you said with P Ryan and McKinnon, they weren't absolute zeros when the starter was playing. So at Correct. least they gave you something but they also had the potential where because of the efficiency of the offense that they could give you a spike week if the right thing happened. You know, a game where they take Mixon off the field because he can't pass block and the offensive line has turned to crap. Like that happened a couple times where it's like, wow, P. Ryan's out-snapped Mixon. It wasn't because Mixon was injured. It's just literally the game script went that way. But it was a good enough offense where you go, okay, I want to roster both of the running backs in this backfield to begin with because the second guy's not killing me. So I think that's an important thing to decipher is who are going to be the efficient offenses, the offenses that run more plays and pass more. Even if for a running back, I want the offenses that are going to pass more because that usually means more first downs. It means they're going to run more plays. That's probably where you want to look for those dual backfields. And then the other thing I've been thinking about is we're talking in 1.75 tight end premium here, right? Where the, the tight ends could fire in the flexes, maybe a little bit more. Than if you're in just a PPR or a 1.5 premium, so that makes me want to say, okay, I need to be just a little bit more tighter on the running backs now, because especially if I don't have an elite tight end, I'm probably wanting to take a couple more shots at tight end because that's a real gross position when you don't have one. It's I probably have to roster three for every one that I don't have. That's like top 12. I need to probably roster three to make up for it but I also want to roster enough to where tight ends can be in the flexes too. So I'm, I'm thinking about this going, okay, I probably want to dial my threshold in at, at running backs a little tighter than maybe what the league is doing so that I don't get, I don't fall behind and fall out of that range where man, I haven't met my eight and Koopa's number was 7.67. So it's right around that eight that we're talking about. And it's just, where do you put that cut off? And, and I want to ask you guys about two players. Cause it makes me think about this upcoming rookie class. And I'm not calling anybody out, but I hear this in the Heisman chat all the time. Devon a is going to be a great best ball player. Deuce Vaughn is going to be a good best ball option. I don't want him in lineup, but I'll take those guys in best ball. And talking through this, I'm sitting here going, we're probably going to be overpaying for those guys because they are are they kind of like the Naheem Hines and J.D. McKissick? I mean, feels like you're going to go, oh, I can justify rostering Deuce Vaughn in every best ball league. And then I go, that's probably not what I want to chase.
0: I will say this. Uh, Last year, I wasn't a James Cook fan. Okay, I wasn't a James Cook fan. And then after the draft process, talking with Ray, right, I had my eyes open. SEC running back, round two draft capital, great offense, right? Speed, even though I don't like the way he runs, and I think he's probably just more of a Naheem Hines third down guy. I became a James Cook fan. And I drafted James Cook everywhere. And what did James Cook do for me in one of the best offenses in the entire league, as far as best ball is concerned? Two above average weeks. That's all I got a out of James lot. Cook. Right? I spent the 108, the 109, the 110, the 111, if I was lucky enough in drafts to have a value of James Cook. I got almost nothing out of it, like nothing in production. I would have been better off like investing in a Jahan Dotson. That's at least a hot name, and I know Scott. That's like, that's a fringe roster clogger. That's a guy who's like, I think is overvalued, or a a George Pickens I could have taken with that pick. But at least in the community, that's something that has value. So if we're gonna do this all over again, and Scott, you can agree with uh, you know just being in the dynasty space and looking at this class. What are we talking about? This is one of the deepest running back classes. There's gonna be guys who get opportunity who are drafted in round four in round five, and these are the kind of guys that you're going to take in the third round of your rookie drafts. Like These are the kind of Chase Browns or Evan Holes or whoever the hell it may be. Those are the guys who don't profile as this scat back this Naheem Hines, this James Cook, this J.D. McKissick, the ones we've spent pretty much all show talking about how eh, you really don't want too many of these dudes in best ball, right? You really don't want these guys unless they're in elite offenses, right? We're looking for the guys who want a, a opportunity, who get workload. Do you think Deuce Vaughn or Devin A-Chain at their size is getting opportunity and workload? Maybe they get opportunity, but it's not going to be f- – it's not going to be 55% it's not going to be 65% hell we don't even see some of the top guys get 65% anymore some of these guys are going to be relegated to 30 35 I don't know what James Cook got last year but I can't imagine it's much higher than 40 at the very elite ceiling even in some of these late season games where he had these above average weeks so as much as I want to talk about Devin A-Chain and him being a home run hitter right we can all agree that he has elite speed and definitely a threat to take it to the house at any moment. Naheem Hines is fast. <laughs> James Cook is fast. Just being fast doesn't make you good for best ball at a running back position. I'm sorry.
3: Well, and I think the reason I stress that is because there's actually a few reasons, but like if Naheem Hines, that skill set is playing for an offense that's very efficient. You now aren't just looking at PPR points here and there, like maybe there's a touchdown, maybe there's opportunity for more points than just, you know, five or six catches. Like that's the reality for even the best of third down backs, they're gonna get five or six, seven catches in a great game. And that's maybe a floor week. But the reality is when you look through this, right? And Mike brings up a point here that I actually wanted to stress, so I'm glad we talked about James Cook. I'm not even going to go into the fact that I was never buying into James Cook. That was, you know, on Mike. But anyway, um, that's harsh. Yeah. Well, you know, I wasn't even that. I didn't even say much. I just, I'm just speaking the truth. But the reality is, James Cook in a great offense did what for you? Two consistent weeks, uh, running back thirteen and ten. And and the reality is, his cost in dynasty is very exploitable in best ball. Because of what we're talking about, right? You want top 40 running backs. Everyone's valuing James Cook as a top 40 running back. It's a perfect sell candidate. It's a great sell candidate in best ball. Because he's not giving you anything. And what do we know? Here's the thing that we do know. That's a guy that's on a great offense that didn't do much. All these third down backs don't do anything. Isaiah Pacheco, who literally for the first 11 weeks of the season wasn't even a top 24 running back you could buy for you can get Pacheco plus for James Cook, right? You can get all these running backs that no one cares about. Jeff Wilson, the ones that have a chance for a 60% workload and more like Tyler Algier, for example, uh, through seven weeks, didn't do anything. Now he didn't spike cause he's on Atlanta, but you know, 13, 15, 11, 12, 12, 16, those weeks, raise your floor significantly. Tyler Algier type, he's running between the tackles. He's not giving you any type of pass catching option. This is in full PPR, by the way. So so my point is that I would much rather roster of my eight, six of them that either have 60% workloads or have a chance to, if it breaks right, like if I'm going to roster two of the people that have a chance, like you're better off, and the, 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 the final point here, you are so much better off having Alexander Madison give you nothing. But then when he does start, give you running back 4. Then you are James Cook giving you running back 10 and 13 and doing the same thing. The reality is neither one of you doing shit, but when when Madison does start, like he could make a total difference for your team.
0: I think so one this of the, Yeah, go ahead, Scott.
2: I was to say so but this poses the question then, I mean, we're doing a March startup, right? And there's a lot of unsure pieces at running back right now in Dynasty. It's not just the veterans, but the rookies. And, you know, I can see myself getting in trouble in lineup leagues. I'm all about the give me every draft pick between round two and four. And I'll just backfill all of my running backs. In fact, I have a lot of lineup leagues where I'm carrying a bunch of dead running backs. Guys that I'm carrying now because they were on teams last year. But it's the Justin Jacksons of the world where they could easily find a job but they could easily be replaced by a rookie. So I want to have those picks to go, okay, in May, I'm going to know probably if Justin Jackson's going to be on a roster or if he's on a roster. And if he's not, I draft Chase Brown in the fourth round to replace him. And it's a one-for-one replacement. I don't care if Chase Brown has a role. I don't care if he literally goes to Detroit and he's the third running back, just like Justin Jackson was. I don't care. I just want the third running back. That's easy to do in lineups. It's easy to navigate just take every running back late in a draft and lineup league. But in best ball, if you're sitting there and you get into a startup and you have, or you end up with a bunch of second round picks, third round picks, fourth round picks. Do you have to be a little more picky, which running backs you select, or is it almost, you don't really want to select a lot of running backs in that range. You'd rather take the tank Dells. You'd rather take a couple of the tight ends, maybe more for, okay, i have I don't want to have to pick which running backs are going to be Samaj AP Ryan. I may not know until midway through the season. Why take three of them now and waste three roster spots? How are you guys looking at this rookie class? Because I think that's going to be a common thing. It's great to have draft picks, but best ball, it's not great to draft six running backs in round three and four of the rookie draft. Because it feels like you're wasting two thirds of those spots just when you
0: make the pick. Great question. Mike, go ahead. I think the biggest difference is is between me doing it for last year's class and me doing it for this year's class like i think a lot of these guys just based on situation and the way the nfl landscape is are getting opportunity a lot sooner like even though a guy's going to be a fourth or fifth round draft pick like i can see this guy having a role and, and at least knowing something early and getting that early Last year when I'm drafting the the Ty Chandlers of the world, when I'm drafting the the Zonovan Knights, right, I'm drafting these guys to my rosters, even though knowing that they're long shots, that's where your total roster bench spots come into play. So if we're going to talk about the 30, Scott, I think you're 100% right. If I was playing in a 30 or less, I'm less inclined, even with this class as much as I like it, to kind of take those shots, right, on a fourth round running back, on a fifth round running back, to a spot that I don't think is good. Now, will I do it in some way of my leagues? A hundred percent, because I'm also drafting in you know the end of April, the beginning of May, right? I have multiple months for something to pop off in training camp, something to happen in preseason, right? remember last preseason when Zamir White had one good preseason game, and all of a sudden his value goes through the roof. Josh Jacobs was dead. Josh Jacobs is over, it's Zemir White's team. Like, like I still want those guys on my team, even in best ball, because I have all this opportunity for somebody to buy them. And maybe it's for a future second, or maybe it's for a couple thirds, and I've already doubled my investment that I already made on this player. So I will still take them in regards to rookies. Um, And the the other thing I wanted to point out, too, is you're talking about guys like Tank Dell. Even though we play in best ball, and we talked about this a little bit on the quarterback episode we do, we did uh the community as a whole and i haven't seen it yet and maybe it gets to this point but i haven't seen it yet where a lot of best ball principles a lot of the things that we're talking about that we're talking to the people about tonight have really made it to the forefront even in like patron leagues that i do like it's very few leagues where i see some of these come into play so as a whole People are still going to look at Tank Dell and go, like, this was a round four wide receiver in the NFL draft. He's small. Like, this is just roster clogger. This is roster fodder. I cut this dude at a moment's notice. Like, would I like to have that guy on my team? Yeah. And if I draft one of these running backs now, let me shoot my shot on somebody who does have a role, who does even get, like, a Brian Robinson-type workload, or we start to hear some rumblings about that. And if I'm wrong, I can cut that dude, and I bet I can go get a Tank Dell. I bet I can go get one off of waivers or or I can keep them and try to trade with the manager who does have a, a tank Dell type or one of these receiver types because I know that's the plus play, but maybe they don't. Maybe they're still going off of, man, I want any running back on a 53, even in best ball. Like we're not going to always play in leagues with 12 out of 12 managers who are sharps or 12 out of 12 managers who tap into destination dynasty or 4D chess. Or, or in the Destination Debbie community. So I don't think it changes that much on how I draft in rookie drafts for all of those reasons above. One, it's a better rookie class than it was last year. I like the opportunity. We can definitely see that the market is shifting in the NFL as far as how they're using and valuing running backs. Some of these guys are getting more opportunity sooner, and the general dynasty community in best ball still hasn't caught up yet.
3: Man, you, you just hit on so many good points. And uh, I know we got to summarize this. So I'll try to do so the best I can. Wh- one of the reasons I said that it's easier to get into and harder to get out of the running back position in best ball is because of the market. And like that's one of the things I think you have to realize here. A- and with that being said, let me give you a number, and that's five. And I think... This is going to depend on how you built your team and what your team looks like. When you go into the season, now in the offseason, you have time to shift a lot of things around based on rookie height, based on, you know, people thinking they need more running backs, whatever it may be. But going into the season, five, I think, is a number of, like, it's safe to have five hopefuls, you know, whether that's one of the quarterbacks that we talked about, if you have four or five that you're hoping get a shot. Like, if you want to have, Whatever, but five as a whole for your roster. If you have 30 roster spots, 25 need to be people that you think are going to score. With that being said, so if you have all these seconds in this scenario, like if you want to have four or five of them be designated as a running back spot, that's fine. As long as the other rooms are built appropriately, right? Like if you have four of the top 24 uh, quarterbacks, if you have. You know, twelve wide receivers, and you have a decent tight end room. Go ahead. You you can you can afford now to roster a lot of these seconds, which you don't know what's going to happen. But the reality is, if they break right, and they're the archetype we're talking about, which if someone in front of them gets hurt, they get a sixty percent snap share or more. I want that. I really want that. To Scott's point, the Devon A chain, yeah, I'll take him in some ball leagues. But I'm also knowing that if he doesn't have a chance to get a lot of snap share, I need a good good landing spot. Like, I think that's one of the biggest things. You can take a lot of these guys, and you probably have a lot of time to trade those second-round running backs that are going to have a lot of hype. But I would much rather have three running backs that are second, third, fourth-round picks that might be Ty Lyle's year. I think that's the other thing. If you do this build, right? and you take all these running backs, understand, don't start selling the farm on these running backs too soon. Kenneth Walker took a while to break out. Tyler Algier took a while to break out. If you go into the season with those, give them, you got to be able to, if you're going to do that, and you're going to take three, four of these running backs in the second, third, fourth round, you got to be willing to give them more time. So make sure your, your entire roster allots you three, four, five to the running back position to roster zeroes. But if you have wide receivers that are going to be zeros and tight ends that are going to be zeros and quarterbacks that are going to be zeros, you can't do that. I like it, man.
0: Um, So we got to give the people a number, right? And we kind of got to talk about it. We got to give the people a number. Adam, you said eight. Uh, I'm kind of with it. I don't know if I want to go like eight. Like I feel like I have to have eight. I think it's a really good number. I think kind of like with a quarterback, it's going to be depending on the value of like how comfortable I feel with the running backs that I get. right? So if I if I walk out of a draft with McCaffrey, a Barkley, and a Neckler, maybe I don't go eight at them. And I'm being completely honest because I feel good about those. Yes, can they get hurt 100%, but these have been some of the most consistent producers that we've had as of late at the running back position. And in reality, if I'm looking at startup ADP, like these are all guys that I can get in the the third, the fourth, and the fifth round. It's crazy to think that the community's that out on running backs, even in these best ball drafts that we're doing. So could I walk away with with three guys and then go like, man, I might only need three more. Just give me three more of those guys in that. 18 to 36 range like just give me three more guys that i think will have at least an opportunity and be completely happy and literally leave a draft with only six running backs i think there's a very good scenario where i'll be comfortable with that i think the best way for me to describe it though is i'm gonna put the number at five i want five running backs and I'm going to have about three spots that are kind of like my flex spots as far as roster construction. So we talked about this when we did quarterbacks, right? I want four guys. In an ideal world, let me walk away with four, but I think there's room for one more that's kind of like this flex spot, depending on how you construct the rest of your roster. And Scott brought up a good point earlier. This is a 1.75 tight end premium league. So depending on how bad I screw myself at, at tight end, I might have to allocate more resources just to throwing as many darts as the wall at tight end to try to fill it as possible. So that's kind of why I put these flex spots. So I'm going to go with five Adam with three kind of flex spots, which does get you to that eight. But I do think that eight is kind of like the max of running backs that I want to walk out of a draft with. I don't want nine. I don't want 10. I feel like it's overkill. And the other problem is it, it becomes so hard to, tr- to trade them. We talked about it on the quarterback episode like if you got five or six, there's going to be other contenders. As long as your quarterback has a job, is going to be starting, is going to want to trade for him. The way the running back position is right now, man, if I got like Zeke Elliott, does he have a job? We well, think so. But who the hell wants to trade for him, right? If Leonard Fournette's getting cut, if he signs somewhere and you're like, man, I think Lenny might get like 40% of the touches at this new spot. Who the hell wants to trade for Leonard Fournette? Like the market is so gross on these running backs. That's why I don't want too many. Okay, So I'm going to say between five and eight. Five, but I can acknowledge that even if I had the ideal setup, I had some elite guys that I got early that I felt really good about it. I'm probably going to want to walk away with at least six.
3: Okay, so so, so let me say this because it's actually very – like you can do it like the quarterbacks, right? Like I would, I said four to five and the reality of four to five depends on the types you have, right? Yes. And I think the reality here is that running back, if you if you decide to fade running back in a startup or in an auction, like day one, you don't have to have eight because they're super volatile. Like you don't know what's going to happen. But the reality is when it comes to contending, you need eight running backs that are going to have points per game scenarios, unless you have three warp monsters, right? And that's, you're not going to know that until the playoffs. So the reason I say that is if you have five of a really good running backs and they're young, right? They're young. I think that's the thing. If you have all age and you have three get hurt, your assets are dead in the water. So it kind of depends on the, the archetype and which ones you have, I think I think five is probably like the absolute minimum. Um, eight is I think reasonable. It also depends on which ones you have. but but ultimately, I think that's the, the big takeaway Scott, I, I'm curious as a whole this this whole conversation because I know you hate the running back position and I, I want to know like where you're at now as far as what we've talked about here and j- j- just takeaways for everybody to think about for the running back position. Timing, you know, how many to roster, all of it.
2: Well, I mean, I'll, I'll end my thoughts on running backs with this. Uh, one thing I've noticed in the first two discussions, quarterback and running back, is if I'm doing a startup in March, Mike described it perfectly that a lot of these rookies, we don't know what their role is going to look like probably until preseason or after. So I'm actually okay, just like the quarterbacks. The idea of taking Jameis Winston, Carson Wentz, and Andy Dalton as my QB 5, 6, and 7, the idea is probably I'm going to have to settle on one of those three when push comes to shove. But in March, I'm okay going 7 at quarterback. Ideally, I want to get to around the 8 number that we've hit on all show, but I'm okay over the summer going 11, 12, because a couple of those guys I'm going to go, dude, that's probably the third running back on a team and it's a clogger in dustball ball. And I'm going to have to cut him. Unfortunately, the Chris Evans, the Snoop Connor, that, that guy's a guy you probably rostered over the summer. And you go, let's see if he can bust into the backup role. And when he doesn't, he's a roster clogger. And Mike hit it earlier in the show, the next show, we're going to talk about wide receivers. If there's a position, I can probably find a random wide receiver eight or nine. It, it's It's going to be at wide receiver. And at tight end, it may happen at tight end as well in a 1.75. So, my takeaway from this is if I'm doing a startup now, if I have a certain construction at running back or quarterback, I'm okay going over the number until I have to cut down. But I also have to understand that if I get to September and I'm at 11 running backs and I only know two of them I trust, I'm probably in trouble.
3: Yes, that so, that, that is that is suboptimal. I'll,
2: I'll leave it at that. Like Right now, I would say eight is the number. But I may go to ten or eleven over the summer, just like quarterback. The number might be four or five, but I may be willing to go to six or seven. So I'm going to have to borrow. And of course, you got to know your league. A lot of leagues I'm in, they expand the rosters by a couple spots during the off season, right? Take advantage of that. These are probably the two positions: running back and and quarterback. I, I'm okay going over that magic number of eight but I have to be dialed in because I do want to, when we get to tight ends and receivers, I know I'm probably going to want to be firing more darts with those positions during the season. So I need to really dial in my quarterbacks probably around four or five and my running back somewhere around seven or eight. That's going to be like the optimal for when I'm trying to contend. So that's been my takeaway from these first two shows. So that's my final thoughts.
0: I think that's, that's fantastic. That is, that is probably the best way to say it is at the quarterback and running back position. We're a little bit more stringent. You can go over because there are some guys that you can just weed out, right? Like Jameis Winston doesn't get a job at the quarterback spot or he's he's signed like last minute to be the third-string quarterback. Do you want to roster him? Nah. like, <laughs> get off my team. You get a guy who gets cut at the uh, roster cuts at the running back position, right, and gets thrown on a practice squad. You're like, he has a long shot of making an actual game day roster and being something for me in best ball at the running back position, boom, gone. I'll find another wide receiver who's at least on the 53 right now, like who's who's on the active roster. So, we've all been there. So, I do love it. I think that's a probably good number. Uh, we'll go we got 5 at the quarterback position. We'll go 8 at the running back position, but both positions that I definitely think you can go over, fluctuate a little bit. Running back specifically though, the biggest thing I have, my closing thought is I just want to be more secure on the guys that have roles. I don't want a lot of J.D. McKissicks. I don't want a lot of Naeem Hines. I want the guys, even if they are those gross things that we call those those early down grinders, those Tyler Algiers, even if they're the two down guys, I want the guys who are going to get carries and the guys who are going to have the possibility of falling in the end zone because that's what matters for me at best ball. Pass catching work is nice, and that is the perfect running back that we want. We want the guy who can do it all. We want the Austin Eckler, the Saquon Barkley, the guys who do everything. But there's so few of them. So just give me the guys who are the grinders, because, Adam, like you're talking about, man, there's very few guys who are getting sub 40%, sub 30% of snap shares who do anything worth a consequence in best ball, and they are on some of the elitist and most efficient offenses in the NFL. So those are my final takeaways. Adam, What's yours,
3: buddy? Yeah, I mean, you guys really hit a lot of the stuff. I mean, I, I could almost just, you know, get out of here because you guys are hitting everything that I have to say. The the reality, though, though to bridge like what you both said there is that at the quarterback and running back position, especially if you need help, it's okay to roster extra this time of year because. You don't know what's gonna happen with Andy Dalton, with Geno Smith. Like Geno Smith is a, is a great example to think about last year. Like when you had Geno Smith this time, I don't even know if the Noah Fant trade had happened yet, but you you didn't know, one, that you're guaranteed a starter, and two, that you're looking at a warp advantage guy. Like that's part of the reason you wanna have an excess right now in March at quarterback because you're deficient, right? You don't have two of the top 12. So you roster extra and then you cut down later, like Scott said, I think that was a great point he made. And then at running back, understand like, we can tell you the archetype, we can tell you how many you wanna have, but going into the season, and then what is the reality halfway through the season are gonna be very different. So at running back, it's okay to roster extra you need to cut down when the season starts. And then that's a, that's a position. I think the biggest takeaway at running back is you don't want to be deficient, but you also want to make sure that you're paying so much attention to this position. Like you're, you, you do not want to end up where you have two or three guys get hurt and you're not paying attention at running back on waivers. Like Scott talked about earlier. If you're in a bunch of leagues, you can't afford injuries and not pay attention and you're missing out on, you know, Pacheco's uh, Deion Jackson's even when Taylor go, goes down you can't afford to miss on Zonovan Knight you need to make sure that you're paying attention and picking these guys up because at the running back position what we know week one start of the season and what we know end of the year are going to be so different so it's a position you need to be deep at but you also need to have a lot of Week in and week out. Who who are the running backs that might get a 50%, 60% snap share next week because of an injury, because of a trade, whatever it is? So I, I guess that's my biggest takeaway on those two positions. Really excited to keep the series going next week with the wide receivers and tight ends. I uh, hope you guys have learned a lot from this. And just remember, when your league mates are playing chess, play 40 chess.
0: Big thank you again, Scott, for coming on and doing this. It's been a great collab, and we'll see you same time, same place next week. Don't forget on Monday, check out Destination Dynasty for the wide receivers. You can catch us on next Friday. But That's going to do it for us. We're out of here. Peace.